Chapter 28. I know that might seem like kind of an odd place to turn for a Christmas type message, and that's what this is going to be tonight. Um, I love Christmas more than any other holiday, and uh, maybe it's because we have fond memories of growing up in Indiana, uh, overlooking mounds of, of lake effect snow, uh, carrying wood. Or, or, you know, the, the ground is so frozen we had to use sleds to carry the wood on, freezing all winter, slipping around on the ice. Yeah, I'm not sure why I love Christmas, but uh, <laughs> uh, maybe it's because I actually get to enjoy going outside on Christmas Day and having a 50-50 chance that it's actually going to be 70 degrees on Christmas now. Maybe that's why I like Christmas, but uh, I was just looking at the weather on the way here, and I think it's supposed to be like 66 on Christmas Day, and I was saying, you know, if it's going to be warm, let it be really warm so we can actually enjoy it. If it's going to be cold, at least let it be cold enough to have snow so we can enjoy that, you know? 45 is like right in the middle where it's, it's, it's ugly, there's no snow, but you can't go outside and enjoy anything, right? So, um, but for a few weeks, the hustle and the bustle of Christmas is, is here, and I, and I love that. I, I, love the, I love the whole spirit of the season of Christmas, and uh, Christmas is that time of year when we start to concentrate on the coming of Jesus Christ as our Messiah. All those prophecies that we, that we read about and memorize from the Old Testament came true in Jesus Christ when he came to this earth, and, and, and the fact that God became flesh and dwelt among us. That is just an amazing thing that I don't think we'll ever really be able to fully grasp until we get to heaven. God became a man. This is not just, you know, one of the angels that God sent down to represent him. This is not, you know, one of the, uh, one of the prophets that came back or any of those kind of things. This was God himself in human form living on earth, and Christmas is that time when, when Christ came to visit, or at least that we, that we uh, recognize that fact, and we're eternally grateful that he did. But Matthew, um, and, and we're going to stay there in Matthew chapter 28, keep your finger there, and just maybe turn back to the beginning of um, uh, Matthew chapter 1, uh, but Matthew begins his gospel account by reminding us that Jesus was God with us. And that's amazing that even the name of Jesus represents that, right? Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. The very name of Jesus Christ as Emmanuel means God came down to earth and dwelt with us. It's an amazing thing. But if the gospel of Matthew begins with a heavenly announcement from the angel that a woman shall bear, you know, a virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, we should never forget that the gospel actually ends, Matthew's gospel actually ends that same way in verse number uh, 2 of Matthew chapter 28. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. The same gospel that begins with the wise men rejoicing over the star in the sky, as we see in Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 10, ends with the, re the women rejoicing over the, uh, over the emptiness of the tomb. We see that in verse number 8. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. It's true that, that Christmas is that time when Christ came to earth, but we should never forget that Matthew ends his account by telling us about how Jesus rose from the dead, right? And I mentioned that this morning, and I've mentioned it over the past couple weeks, that Christmas is not uh, just about Jesus coming and being born as a baby. Most people leave him in the manger. He didn't stay in the manger. He lived and died for us, and then he rose again, and now he's still alive in heaven. And if Christmas reminds us that Jesus came, then I suppose Easter reminds us that Jesus is still here. 
And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. It was, it was very necessary for Jesus Christ to leave. We see that in John chapter 14 and verse 2, 3, and 4. If I go not away, then I can't go to heaven and prepare a place for you and all of those things. That's what Jesus was telling the disciples. But there's a sense in which he came and he never left. Because in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it says, For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That means Jesus came to this earth, and he's still here. He never left. Jesus is still here. And with that being the case, I think there are several truths that are inevitably going to follow as we try to remember the true meaning of Christmas. I'm going to give you a skeleton outline tonight. I think we could take a long time on each one of these points. We're not going to be long tonight. But I want to share a few points with you here out of Matthew chapter 28, hopefully a bit of encouragement to you, a reminder to you of just what it means, the fact that Jesus Christ came and he is still here. Let's pray. We'll look at a couple of these things tonight. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be here together around your word again. And God, I pray that you give us something helpful from your word tonight. Thank you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing I want you to see is that we have a message to share. The angel told the women to go quickly and, uh, to the tomb, and, and, or from the tomb, and tell the news of, of Jesus Christ's resurrection. And they obeyed. They ran to tell the others what they knew to be true. We see that in Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to pretty much be there the rest of the time. But verse number 7, And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. This is news that cannot be hidden. This is something that, that cannot be kept under wraps. This is something that has to be shared. And that's exactly what, when, when it comes to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus is the reason for the season. And yes, all of these things that we know to be true about Christmas, and it's great to have a, a manger scene. It's great to see Jesus in the manger. But the whole point of Christmas is that Jesus was born to die. He died for us. And that's a message that we ought to share, especially at this Christmas season. We have to use that opportunity and season that opportunity to remind others that they can meet Jesus Christ for themselves. You're going to be gathering around with, with uh, family, most likely, maybe even some friends. It's a great opportunity to share the message of the gospel with them. Use that opportunity. We have a message to share. But the second thing is that we have a joy to experience. The ladies left the tomb, and you see that in verse number 8. They departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. The ladies left the tomb with great joy when they had met the risen Christ on their way home. He greeted them with a term that's very often uh, used throughout the New Testament as rejoice. He says that in verse number 9. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, all hail. That's kind, of a, that's kind of an interesting thing. What does all hail mean? All hail, that word used throughout the New Testament, is the same word that we use for rejoice. Be happy. Be glad. Look, I'm still here. I'm alive. I'm not dead. I've risen from the dead. And that's, we get excited about the fact that, that relatives are coming in for Christmas. We're excited about the fact that we get to go spend time with relatives. But how much more excited should we be because Jesus never goes away? Right? There's probably some relatives that are coming in that you're saying, boy, this is, uh, it's nice to see him, but it'll be good to see him go too. Right? Some, every, it seems like everybody has somebody in their family that's like that. When they finally walk out the door, you're like, wow, man, I'm glad that's over. Now we don't have to do that again until next year. Right? But Jesus Christ is always with us, and that we have joy to experience because of that. But the third thing is that we have peace 
that comforts. The angel tells the women at the tomb not to fear. We see that in verse number 5 of Matthew chapter 28. The angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. And that same admonition was repeated by Jesus himself in verse number 10. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. I'm headed to Galilee. Go tell them to meet me there. Don't be afraid. It's me. There's nothing to be afraid of. It's not a ghost. It's not a spirit. It's me. You spent three and a half years with me. Remember, it's me. Don't be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of. The Prince of Peace, as the Bible says, as the Bible talks about him in Isaiah, has come and he stayed. His peace is a result of the Holy Spirit living in us. What does it say in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, right? Those are things that we can have because Jesus Christ came. Peace on earth. You hear that often. You hear it in a lot of songs. You hear it, you know, you see it, you see it plastered all over the place. Peace on earth. It's not just a cliche that's found on Christmas cards. It's a settled truth that we know for a fact is true because Jesus Christ came. And the Bible says that, uh, that those whose minds are stayed on him can have that peace. He says that, and you don't need to turn over there, but in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse number 3, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. That's a tremendous, tremendous comfort to, to us, uh, not just at the Christmas time, but all the way throughout the year. We have a peace that comforts. Number four is this. We have worship to offer. Because Christ is alive, at any moment we can fall down at his feet, we can kneel before him, and we can worship him. Oh, we look forward to the day when every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And oh, I can't wait to bow my knee before Jesus Christ. But we don't have to wait to bow our knee before Jesus Christ. He's here. He's alive. He's here now. We can bow our knee before him at any time. The ladies who left the tomb on that first Easter morning fell down before Christ and they worshiped a risen Lord. We see that in verse number 9. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, they, Jesus met them saying, all hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Oh, what a tremendous thing that must have been. What a tremendous feeling that must have been. You ever been away from somebody for a long time? Uh, you know, you, you go away from, from, from your husband or your wife because one or the other's on a vacation, or not a vacation, but on a trip of some sort. And I know when, when we went to um, Romania and Moldova, and you're gone for 10, 12, 13, 14 days, and you come back, and it's just so good to be back in a familiar surrounding. It's so good to be back home. It's so good to be back with the ones that you love, right? And it's just that familiar feeling of, oh, man, I'm so glad I'm finally back, right? It was enjoyable, but I'm so glad, it's, I'm, I'm so glad that everything is back to normal, right? When everything gets turned upside down and, and just nothing feels right, and then everything goes back to normal, and it's just, oh, finally. And I think that's probably the same feeling that these ladies had. Everything was turned upside down for three days. Nothing was right. They lived with Jesus. They watched him. They, 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 ministered. they watched him minister. They watched him heal. They watched him do all these things. And then he's dead. And now they go to the tomb and he's gone. And Jesus says, hey, I'm here. And you, can you imagine the feeling? With that? I mean, no wonder they would just, oh, finally, you're back. And they fall down at his feet. They hold on to him by the feet, and they worshiped him. And we, we don't have to settle for worshiping Christ on holidays. We don't have to settle for worshiping Christ on holy days. We can worship Jesus Christ every day because he is always with us. Fall at his feet again and tell him what you think about him. That ought to be what we do every morning in prayer when we meet him. Fall at his feet. Tell him how thankful we are for him. Tell him how thankful we are for what he's done for us. 
worship him. We have a message to share. We have joy to experience. We have peace that comforts. We have worship to offer. And lastly, we have family to embrace. Now, Jesus lets the woman know that he's going to be in the midst of the disciples, men that he chose to call brethren. Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 10. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. It's, I think, marvelous condescension that Jesus allows us to be joint heirs with himself. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. I want you to look at two verses and we'll be done. Romans chapter 8, in verse number 17, the Bible says this. Romans chapter 8 and verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. There's a marvelous brotherhood, if you will. There's a marvelous fraternity among the people of God. What a family. It's a privilege that we get whenever a few of us get together to know that he's there, right? And it doesn't have to be a thousand people gathered in a, co- in a congregation somewhere. It doesn't have to be a huge uh, conglomeration of worship and celebration and all of that stuff. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst, Amen. Right? And we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. What a family. We have a family to embrace. So regardless of what else is going on this Christmas season, we, re- we can remember this. The one who came that first Christmas never left. First Easter reminds us that he's still here. His mother and his stepfather knocked on the door of that inn. They didn't have room for him. They didn't find any admission. No room. Keep, keep on moving. But he's still here and he's still knocking. Turn over, lastly, to Revelation chapter 3. I used this verse this morning, and I think it's a fine verse to use for somebody who is not saved because Jesus Christ stands there knocking at the door. But you know that this was written to the church of Laodicea. This was a church. This was a group of Christians. And if you look at the context of that passage, and and again, uh, just for sake of time, we're not going to take the time to read through that entire passage, but you see that the entire chapter of Revelation 3 is all in red, if you have a, a, a Bible that, that does that. But the angel of the church of Laodicea write, These things say the amen, the faithful and true witness, beginning, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works. And he talks to, he's talking to them as if they are Christians, because they are Christians. And in the midst of that, he gets to the point where he says in verse number 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. And I think it's a great... Analogy. I think it's a great analogy that we can use for somebody who needs to accept Jesus Christ into their heart. He's standing at the door and he's knocking, but he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily say that he's standing at our heart's door. I think that's what is implied, but he's talking to Christians. He's standing at our heart's door, knocking and waiting for us to let him in. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. And then he continues, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in, thy, in my throne, and so on. He's talking to us. I think sometimes, because, well, I'm saved. I've got, I've got that fire insurance. I know I'm not spending eternity in hell. I know that you know, God's with me. I know I can have his peace. I know I can worship. I know I can do all of those things. But we leave him standing outside the door. We don't invite him into our life, because many times it's things that we have that are, that are there that should not be there. We have things that, well, if I invite him in, that I got to clean that up, and I got to do this, and I got to change that, I got to take care of that, and so you just stand outside and knock, 
And when I feel like I'm ready to come in, uh, let you come in, then, then I'll open the door and you can come in and we'll have that good fellowship, right? I think it's a great analogy for somebody who's not saved, but this is written to us. Are you going to leave him standing out there? He's still here. He's still here. He's still standing there knocking. You've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, but he wants to be the Lord of your life. He wants to be everything to you. He wants to live in a clean house, so to speak. Will you let him in? He's here. That's the, that's the, that's, honestly, that's, kind of the, that's the real meaning of Christmas. Jesus is still here. Amen. You know, we, we spoke this morning about the fact that we need to accept that gift. Everybody in this room has made a profession of faith. Everybody in here says that they've accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I believe you. I'm not saying that you haven't. But then the next step in understanding the true meaning of Christmas is Jesus Christ wasn't just born as a baby. He didn't just live and die and rise again. He's still here. He's still here. We need to recognize the fact that we have a message to share. We need to get the message of the gospel out. We have joy to experience. We have peace that comforts. We have worship to offer. And we have a family to embrace. Hopefully that's a good reminder to you about the true meaning of Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. Again, we thank you for sending your son to die for us. I pray that you'd help us to remember that as we go through these next few days and as we get up to Christmas, uh, Christmas Day. God, I pray that you'd help us to do everything we can to share the message of the gospel with those that we know need it. And as we get opportunity, I pray that you'd help us to take those opportunities and be bold in our stand for the cause of Jesus Christ. Thank you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would stand at your seat through the heads bowed and your eyes closed, I know it's not necessarily one of those real convicting messages, but perhaps the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart tonight. Perhaps you are leaving him standing outside the door. Perhaps you haven't let him in to come in and clean house the way that he wants to. I don't know. But if the Holy Spirit spoke into your heart tonight as the piano plays, we'll have a short time of invitation. It's open. You can come.